BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today we're going to talk about the science of celiac disease. The number of cases of celiac disease is on the rise. The current estimates are that one out of every 100 people have celiac disease. So what's the cause of this increase in cases? Is it part of an anti-gluten conspiracy? Is celiac just the cool new thing in disease diagnosis? Let's find out more. First, I want to thank Netflix.com for sponsoring this week's podcast. With Netflix Instant Streaming, you can watch thousands of TV episodes and movies on your PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or iPod Touch or on your TV through your Xbox, PlayStation, or Wii. All streamed instantly by Netflix, saving you time, money, and hassle. You can get a free 30-day trial, including all 46 episodes of Breaking Bad, at netflix.com QDT. As I mentioned in a previous episode, wheat contains a protein complex called gluten. Gluten proteins stick to one another and to other things in flour to form what's called the gluten matrix. This property is where gluten gets its name, from the Latin word for sticky. When yeast is added to dough, it generates carbon dioxide. The carbon dioxide tries to escape from the dough and pushes against this gluten matrix on its way out, causing the dough to rise. When you eat this gluteny goo and it reaches your intestines, an enzyme in your body called tissue transglutamase, or TTG, breaks the gluten up for digestion by binding itself to the gluten and breaking pieces off. Now normally this is no big deal. But sometimes, your immune system sees these bits of gluten with TTG stuck to them and goes into overzealous security guard mode, thinking, hey, that thing looks suspicious. Attack! So a bunch of antibodies get created, which stick to the TTG gluten bits so that they can be destroyed by your immune system. Unfortunately, your intestines suffer collateral damage in this attack, which leads to all sorts of issues. Now, celiac disease used to be relatively hard to diagnose because it doesn't have a distinct set of symptoms. The most common symptoms are chronic diarrhea or constipation. Sometimes there's abdominal pain, cramping, bloating, and fatigue. Sometimes, however, the disease can go unnoticed because people don't get these symptoms or don't notice them. Since celiac disease damages your intestinal tract, it can lead to malabsorption of other nutrients, which can lead people to think that they have other illnesses. For example, anemia is a common side effect of celiac disease because sometimes people with celiac don't absorb iron properly. Osteoporosis is a potential complication because their bodies sometimes stop absorbing calcium and vitamin D correctly. One of the other problems is that sometimes the damage caused by celiac disease doesn't manifest itself until later in life. Scientists are now realizing that many children that were historically diagnosed with growth failure, failure to thrive, and infantilism we're likely suffering celiac disease. Sometimes you might not have any of the other symptoms, but have really low vitamin D levels because of your intestines not absorbing things correctly. Frequent miscarriages, infertility, lactose intolerance, and other autoimmune conditions such as vitiligo, and occasionally hypothyroidism, can also be a result of the damage caused by celiac disease. 
Up until recently, diagnosing celiac disease was difficult because of this large list of wacky symptoms. However, in the last couple of years, several different tests have been developed that do a pretty good job of diagnosing it. Scientists have given these handy names to help you remember them. The first is TTG-IgA, which is a blood test that measures how many TTG antibodies you have in your blood. You shouldn't have very many because your body shouldn't be attacking itself. So if this number is really high, then there's a 90-95% to chance that you have celiac disease. Another blood test that screens for antibodies is the EMA test, which is less sensitive than the TTG-IgA and is typically no longer used. A new test called the DGP is supposed to be even better than the TTG-IgA test, especially in children, but it's so new most doctors don't use it yet. There's also a genetic test that can be done called the HLA, which tests for a specific gene by taking a swab of your cheek cells. There are certain gene variations that make you more likely to have celiac disease, but most doctors think this is kind of a redundant test to the TTG-IgA, because if you have high tissue transglutamase antibodies, chances are you probably have those genes anyway. The standard is to use the first test to see if you have high levels of antibodies. If you do, you're referred to a gastroenterologist who does an endoscopic biopsy where pictures and samples of your intestines are taken for analysis. It's a short five-minute procedure, relatively painless, and the analysis serves two purposes. First, it confirms with full certainty if you have celiac disease or not, rather than being only 90 to 95% certain. And second, it provides a measurement for how damaged your intestines currently are. Now, some people have problems with gluten, but don't have celiac disease. Problems with gluten can be broken up into two broad categories, allergic reactions and autoimmune responses. People with allergic reactions to gluten may have anaphylactic shock or other typical allergic reaction symptoms, or they may have skin issues where they get large red welts on their skin when they touch gluten. Some people also have respiratory allergies to gluten, where they break out into hives just by breathing the gluten dust. So why is celiac so popular now? Well, some people believe that it isn't the prevalence of celiac disease that's increasing. Instead, public awareness of the disease and our ability to diagnosis is just getting better. Many things previously written off as irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, malabsorption, anemia, failure to thrive, are now known to really have been caused by celiac. If you'd gone to the doctor 10 years ago with chronic diarrhea and general fatigue, they probably would have said you likely have irritable bowel syndrome, or maybe you're lactose intolerant. If you were to go with the same symptoms today, the first step, at least in the United Kingdom, is a blood test to screen for celiac. It's really only been in the last 5 to 10 years that we've gotten decently good at diagnosing the disease. Another possibility for the increase is that over the centuries, strains of wheat have been selectively bred by farmers to produce better flour, which means having more gluten. So over the centuries, the amount of gluten in commercial wheat has increased. Another hypothesis is that modern society lives in such a sterile environment with antibacterial everything that our immune system is just hypersensitive. A few researchers believe that introducing children to gluten at too young of an age can lead to an increased risk of celiac disease. Finally, since celiac disease is a non-lethal genetic variant, meaning people that are born with the celiac disease don't usually die at a young age, those genes end up spreading through the population. The real answer could be any, all, or none of these reasons. Once again, I want to thank Netflix.com for sponsoring this week's podcast. If you go to Netflix.com today, you can see all kinds of TV shows and full-length feature films, including The Hunger Games, where celiac disease is the last thing on their list of things to worry about.
You can watch thousands of TV episodes and movies on your PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Touch, or on your TV through your Xbox, PlayStation, or Wii. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com slash QDT. If you liked today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash QDT Einstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Lee Thalen, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.